Mr. Pop. I cannot understand for the life of me who bought the bloody thing. So there you go. Do yourself a favour and break that record. (laughs) This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Hey everyone, welcome to Rock and Roll. Uh, my name's Kevin Hillier. Uh, with me, as always, Brian Mannix, Mark Fine. Hello, boys. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Mark. And hello, Brian. Hello, Kevin. Now, you boys play nice today, will you? All right. So, well, what did we do last week? Well, can we keep the conversation above our waist? Oh, well, you started yeah, yeah. you talking. Well, <laughs> Uh, well, well, this week our footy conversation will be above the waist because it'll all be about the head, I think, and uh, protecting the head and how all that changes. <laughs> Not that head, you idiot. Um, <laughs> how was your week, Brian? Uh, it was pretty mundane, actually, Kev. Um, it's been cold. Um, Isn't it I'm not allowed to go and visit any friends at their house. Oh, I as if you've kilom- got any. Well, I've, no, this is what's silly about it. I can't go to, say, visit a friend at his house, and he can't come to my house to visit me. Yeah. But we can meet at the pub with 48 other people and hang out there. Yeah, I know. It doesn't make any it doesn't sense. Seem to make, no, it doesn't make sense. And, and I don't know if you've done the, the maths and had a look at your mailways and worked out how far 25K is. Uh, pretty much regardless wherever you live, 25K gets you nowhere. Really, no. it's not. It's not a not a big thing. How was your week, Funny? Yeah, not bad. Marty getting by St Kilda, but we'll talk about that football oh, yeah, later boy. on. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, not much happened to be honest. Just your average kind of you know week in the burbs. Yeah, sort of semi lockdown and just starting to spread the wings, I guess. Did you watch yeah, anything? Did you watch anything outside of obviously the football, which we, as you mentioned, we will get to and talk about in a both a positive and a negative way? Uh, did you watch anything else? Anything else catch your eye during the week? Look, I, w- I want to bring something up now. I okay. know you love, I know you love your um, cooking. Do you watch a lot of food shows? Not a lot. Yeah, the odd one. Yeah, yeah. I've always watched cooking shows, yeah. and you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be the first to come out and. And say, gee, how did that person get on TV? And that's, you know, strange or whatever. But when there's somebody good, I also want to mention that. And it's funny because I had this conversation. I mentioned it to my wife. I didn't mention who I was talking about. Now, as far as recipes are concerned and, and producing shows of stuff that if, if you're, if it's not for beginners, but it's not for experts either. It's definitely for home cooks. Yep. There is one person I believe over the last, oh, I must be 15 years, that is head and shoulders above anybody else. If, if coming up with their own recipes is a goal, then he is the Tony Lockett of cooking shows. I, I really believe everybody else just sort of, not everybody else, but to different degrees. They're either like Rick Stein and it's more about travel and food rather than cooking. But I watched this person and, first of all, continually making dishes that you sort of want to make. Yep. Just so many, the volume, but also the clever way that this person cooks. He's actually a genius. And I think he's underrated. Is it a bloke? I reckon he's underrated. So it's a bloke? 
Yeah, I reckon he's underrated because uh, he sort okay. of gets caught up in. If you don't watch some, if you don't watch all those shows, you just think, oh yeah, he could just be another. You know, it, you might not identify him, but for people that do cook and watch all those shows, this guy is—he really is brilliant. Can I guess? Well, who is he? Can I guess? Who do you reckon? Yeah, have a guess. Okay, I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that it's the bloke that I had uh, as a as a permanent member of my radio program um, 18 months ago when we had the Late Show going. I reckon it's Adrian Richardson. No, no. Look, he's good, okay. but he doesn't have anywhere near the volume of work of this guy. Okay. Um, dearie me, I'm trying to think who it might be. Um, uh, Adrian was the one who came straight into my head. I'm trying to think who else does a lot of a lot of TV cooking shows. Uh, is he is he Australian? No, no. Uh, okay. Gordo um, Ramsey. Yeah, no, no. I mean, he does he does occasional cooking shows, but mainly it's, you know swearing at people. <laughs> Gordon, <laughs> he's, he's entertaining. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is, but yeah, not in a not in a cooking. Got, this guy cooks and cooks and cooks and gee, clever. Okay. Um, well, no, you got me, Finey. Who is it? Jamie Oliver. Oh, okay. Yeah. That surprises me because yeah. Jamie Oliver would be someone who I would think you find he, from what I know, you would go, he's a tosser. No, no, he's a genius. He's okay. an absolute, he's a superstar. If you watch his shows, he makes dishes and it's funny that every time, not every time, but saving times on a program of his, I'll learn something a little bit different. Like last night, right, he was making... Tagliatelle or, or ingredient with crab. Yep. Now I, I'm not scared to get a whole crab and cook it, etc., and pick it and that, and that's fine. I, I know all of that. But this is what he did, completely different that I've never seen before, and it's a really good idea. So the crab and the, the crab he, he serves, he tosses like the rest of the sauce is um, um, some chili, de-seeded chili. He uses some fennel some lemon juice, some lemon rind, and obviously olive oil. Oh, yeah. Now, instinctively, you put that in a fry pan, you take the crab meat, and you cook that all together and then add the pasta, correct? Yeah, yep. yep. But he's right. That is That can be a bit sort of abrasive, especially on something as light as crab. So he takes all that stuff besides the crab, puts it in a bowl, and when he's cooking the pasta, he uses that as the lid. Oh. And the, and the steam of the pasta just wilts the fennel, whatever. Then he adds the crab and all the crab again onto that bowl, and by the time the pasta's cooked, that sort of steaming of all of the ingredients, he then adds straight from the pasta, uh, straight from the boiling water, as I do, the pasta into the sauce with a bit of the pasta water, combines it all, and there's your pasta. And it's just a really clever, because, you know, you've got to be very careful with crab, but stuff like crab and lobster, you cook it and it shrinks about, you know, anybody who watches Seinfeld knows that. But it really, <laughs> yeah. does, it really can disappear very quickly. And you can overcook it a lot too. Um, yep, absolutely. absolutely. Yep. You really just want it warm, don't you? Yeah, you do. And, and really air, air rating it like that is a really, really clever idea. How clever is that? Yeah, that's you know, good. I mean, yeah, you know, I just right. always learned things. I remember once he, he made a, a barbecue to spatchcock chicken and he served it on a wooden board 
And rather than baste it during cooking, which you do do, he, he sort of put all the flavour, he, he flavoured butter with garlic and spring onion and whatever you want in it. And when it was finished, straight off the barbecue, he put it on that board and cut it on the board and all the juices and the melted butter combined. And I've, we've done that ever since and it's a real family favourite. That's a good idea. Yeah. I, just find it, I just find whenever I watch him, it's just, but that's all I want from a cooking show is just pick up a couple of little bits of um, extra intel that I'll use next time. But, yeah, I find it very, very clever. Yeah. I don't like technical cooks. Technical cooks bore the hell out of me because it, it's not – yeah. for me it's not about technique and – well, it is to a degree. So it's not about the technical aspects or you have to have exactly 100 uh, grams of this and 100 – Correct. That, that's all rubbish. It's like – it's taste and feel. And he always says that. He says, unless I'm baking – you know, it's it's half a fennel. Yeah. It's a handful. It's it's a handful of this. It's half a handful of that. That that's how we all cook, isn't it? Yep, pretty much. Yeah, I agree. A splash of this and a dollop of that. And yeah, it, yeah, correct. Yeah, not not uh, 100 of uh, this. I can't stand that. I can't. I, I can't do that. I find that boring. I might as well be doing a science experiment somewhere. Well, that's the difference between baking and cook, cooking, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Sarah loves to bake, um, but she's not one of those uh, one hundred and you know two hundred and fifty grams of butter and all that. She's a bit uh, sort of splashy with that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, no baking is not something I'm I'm keen on. What do you do in the kitchen, Brian? Much? I make a mess pretty much. <laughs> um, no, look, I'm not bad in the kitchen. I can I can cook. Um, I like cooking slow cooking. Um, I don't like eating what I cook because I, I just like really plain food. But, yeah, I can cook. I'm, I'm a pretty good cook. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I'm great. I'm great at it. I watched a good show this week called The Yes Men. And it was about two blokes who pretend that they're the World Trade Organization. They build a website that looks exactly like the World Trade Organization. And then they get asked to go and speak in Finland and Australia and they just get up and make up all this bullshit that's nothing to do with the World Trade Organization. Right. That nobody, nobody knows the World Trade Organization well enough. And so they just come out and they just talk utter bullshit on TV, talking utter bullshit. Right. And nobody even notices that they're just a bunch of dickheads talking bullshit. Are they making money out of it? Well, I think in the, so. They in the show? Getting, yeah. well, well, they seem to be getting flown to Finland and then they come out to Australia and they're doing this big talk yeah. out here and talking so it's, about... It's real. It's not a movie or a comedy. No, no. It's these guys are just doing shit for real. It's a documentary about oh, is these it? blokes. Oh, Yeah, pre- pretending to be the World Trade Organization and they're just a bunch of dickheads, you know, just saying whatever pops into their heads is they're actually anti-globalization. Yeah. That's brilliant, but they've blown it now, haven't they? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you think so? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Some people are pretty dumb. So I've, I've always thought a lot of that life coaching stuff, some of those people, I reckon they just make shit up as they go along, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Some of the, you just use a lot of words, like, you know, he's crapping on about all these big words and says, and, you know, we'll start with education of the da 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 and yeah. it just, it all sounds like it makes sense, but if you listen to it, you go, this guy's just talking shit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the, what they've done is they've done like, virtually they've set their own church up, but they've done it as a kind of economic enterprise. Yeah, they did something to George W. Bush. That's where they got started. But anyway, it was quite interesting what okay. these guys stuck in the world. 
I've always wanted to be a life coach. I wouldn't. I, I reckon I could be market myself as an old-fashioned life coach. Oh yeah, we yeah. got your, we got your parenting skills the other week from how to how to get your you know, chapter one, how to get your daughter off her uh, computer and do uh, it. <laughs> oh, that, that is the same daughter, by the way, that when she was six, she was out playing on the trampoline. We had an in-ground trampoline at the old place with the boys, and they were playing wrestling, and she. And I didn't see the manoeuvre. She came in and she said she'd hurt her leg. And, and Natalie was away for the day doing some trade show somewhere. And I think just wait till your mum gets home, whatever. And she was in pain. She was in pain. She said, I think it's broken. I said, look, it's not broken. You walk inside. You can walk to the fridge. <laughs> when your mum gets home, we'll sort it. Oh. They haven't guessed what we found out. Yeah, I know where this is going. <laughs> it was broken, all right. Oh, uh, God, blimey. Uh, yeah, we breed them tough. There you go. Yeah, you that, sure do. Chap, chapter two of Parenting and Finney's Life Coach book. Yeah. <laughs> all right, but, but I want to be an old-fashioned life coach because you see the life coaches now, it's all taxi-feely, I imagine. Not that I know exactly what they do, but I want to be an old-fashioned life coach. I'm going to go – I should – do a website and find old fashioned life coach. Yep. Just go over to somebody, somebody ring up, oh, look, Mark, I, I need your help. I'm really struggling getting through this period of work. Lift your bastard, lift! <laughs> Don't think, just do! Get out there and do the bloody thing! Uh, <laughs> I reckon there should be a bit more of that around the place, too, just quietly. Yeah. Right. Oh, um, everyone, everyone's got a sook and a whinge and a, you know, oh, I've done this, it's been this for me. It's been a, every time you pick up a magazine, a paper, a website or whatever it is or a, someone on their Twitter account or their Facebook account, they're all having a sook about something. God. The planet has never had a softer population than it does right now. Yeah, we are breathing them soft, aren't we? Yes. Yes, so I, watched those, I watched the History Channel, you know, and, and what people went through in the two world wars, ah, God. Imagine, imagine you know, imagine trying to send our, our generation off to war now. They wouldn't go up the gangplank because it wasn't bloody work safe. If you know HS person at the top of the gangplank saying, no, no, sorry, you can't no, go through there. Look, look, I was going to go to war, I was going to defend the country. <laughs> But first of all, I'm not happy with the accommodation. There doesn't seem to be <laughs> facilities here. There doesn't seem to be facilities here. Uh, there's no handicapped toilet. Um, I mean, I'm not thinking about the way there. I'm thinking about the way back. Um, <laughs> it's a gangplank for Christ's there's, sake. <laughs> there's no air conditioning in the tank. Yeah, and I've, I've put in to have a word with the captain and... I haven't seen him at all. I'm vegan, and I certainly <laughs> will not be eating the same rations as the person next to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, it would be it would be a very very interesting uh, set of, uh, equation, wouldn't it? Hey, uh, Brian, uh, as Sir Brian of where are you from? The the oil where's that Freeland. where's that oil Freeland. rig that you you own? What's it called? That oil rig is known as Sealand. Sealand, that's right, Sir Brian of Sealand. Um, yes. Uh, the Queen's birthday honours list, uh, did you get a, a, another couple of letters after your name or another, you know, a knighthood or something? 
I don't know what I've done to upset this bitch, but <laughs> once again, I've been clearly overlooked by this dawdling old woman. I know she's going through a hard time at the moment, but surely she can give me an Order of Australia medal. Now, what do I have to do? Is that an AO? Crikey. Yeah. Adults yeah. only, that'll be do me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, you know, it's about time I got one. Uh, everybody else seems to be getting one. Did you get one, Kev, or did you find it? No. But no. I, th- I think you have to have someone, don't you have to have someone who's already in the club nominate you to be, you can't just, like I can't nominate you or Finey because I'm not an AO or a OAM or uh, whatever it is. You're confusing the honours list with um, Royal Melbourne Golf Club there, right? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, yeah. I, think, I think Toddy Goldsmith in there and I think Sheeds is in there. So we know a few people in there. Sorry, Toddy Goldsmith's got an, an AO. Not, I don't think she got it this time. I think last time around she got it. Well, Australia Day she got it. Really? I'm pretty sure. Services to what? Well, she does a lot of charity work. And oh, okay. Stuff, so. We're going to talk about her later because uh, they're in the chart that we've got for the chart attack. I, I saw that, that they're in the chart. In that fact, got there today, yeah. Like top ten or something, I think. No, it was, I think, number nine. Number six. Number six, and I, I knew look, it was like a nine. And I've got a lot of questions about it for you because we're doing chart attack slightly differently from, from this week. We're going to try see how this one works this week. It's, still, it's a work in progress, yeah. the old chart attack, but we'll get to that because um, I've, right. I've got a lot of questions because I watched the video of Witch Queen and I've, I need you to explain a few things to me, Brian. Oh, I can't. I think I've seen the video, but I'll try. We'll get, we'll get to that a little later. Um, let's talk some footy. Um, now, first, I have unfortunately I have a bit of bad news to do first on the footy. Um, yeah. Just just let me get through this, and then we'll then we'll move on to it. Uh, much loved husband and father, and uh, and poor guy in loving memory of his football credibility, which passed away on June twelfth at Kazali Stadium, uh, and uh, unfortunately his football credibility was surrounded by his friends. Uh, his finals chances, his football optimism and his barracking voice. Uh, we bid a fond farewell to Mark Fine's uh, chances for anything nice happening in the football season in in uh, in 2021. Sorry, sorry, Finey, a little in-memoriam message that I had to do there at the start. So, Vale, Mark yeah, Fine's football credibility. I don't think people that convert, can convert the discussion on a game being halfway through the second quarter when was the last time a team didn't score till half time? It was Fitzroy in '95, and <laughs> it's only happened twice in 97 years. Only St Kilda convert, can convert that discussion about Adelaide into a loss. Yes, yes. it was extraordinary. I uh, I only watched the last five minutes, and because uh, uh, I'd seen a, I'd seen a couple of uh, social media messages saying that Adelaide hadn't scored, and I thought, oh, well, this is a farce. And then I turned on and watched the last five minutes, and I'm, I admit I was sitting on my couch absolutely gobsmacked at the end. I I, I, I sent I, I drafted three text messages to you finally and deleted all three of them before I sent them. I just didn't I didn't quite know what to say to you. I mean, look, the fix was did you see that free kick to Phil Thorpe on the goal line? Yes. Against Howard? I mean, look, we can lose games ourselves. We don't need the umpire. Ourselves. Well, if he wasn't yeah. trying to spoil the ball, what the hell was he doing? Because I've, 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 it's, sorry, I thought you were allowed to do that. No, it's just ridiculous. 
It's oh, uh, oh, yeah. Anyhow, it is what it is. Yes. Which isn't great. Yeah. I will say this, though. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of Brian on Friday night. What happened on Friday night? Hawthorne oh. beat Sydney. And yes. then up at the SCG, yep. Sydney did not get a great run from the umpire. Ooh. No. Now, the free kick tally was 10 to 26, but it wasn't mm. just the numbers. There were a couple of frees against Sydney that were very rotten. And, and a couple not paid to Sydney that were even worse for them, yeah. Um, now, that, that ground and the umpires, that was always afoot. <laughs> I must have forgotten where they were, Brian. They must have, mustn't have realised that they were sitting or playing at the SCG because all the games were being changed around. They must have thought they were at a different oval. The round started brilliantly. I thought that uh, Port Adelaide Geelong game was a beauty. Yeah, it was. It was a good game. Yeah, thoroughly yeah. enjoyed that. But we had... Uh, was a, a good game. And then, you know what? When they finally lay me to rest, you know what I want the presiding officer? I don't want anybody religious there. I just want somebody to make a speech. And you know what I want somebody to say at my funeral? No, go on. Mark Vine passed away. And let it never be forgotten that Mark said that he was never, ever repaid for three hours of his life he wasted watching Fremantle Gold Coast in 2021. <laughs> uh, well, let's face it, had all the hallmarks of being a dud game and it, it lived up to every expectation everyone had about it. That's, I mean, look, let's be honest, when we were kids, we didn't wake up on a Saturday morning going, oh, I wish Fremantle and Gold Coast were playing in this competition. Yep, yep. I don't, I don't think there was a lot of interest in it for a start, and then it uh, it obviously was a, a, a dud of a game. We got our first draw for the uh, for the year. Exciting stuff between yeah. the Roos and the Giants. Yep. At what's going to yeah. become one of the big, uh, by the looks of it, Blundstone Arena is going to become a uh, a major uh, football thoroughfare for the next couple of weeks at least. Uh, yeah. Well. Now, As we go in the tipping. Oh, well, here we go. Brian. I know, I was shocked. Oh, well, you weren't on your own there, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, Brian, you got one. Mm. And you know the one. Did we you, get one? Did know, we get one for the draw? No, no, no. no I didn't, because unless you pick a draw, I don't reckon you should get anything for it. You shouldn't get a half. Just looks stupid at the end of the year. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and you know which one you got, Brian? Do you remember which one you actually picked? Uh, Adelaide. Yes, no? that's correct. Yeah, Adelaide. Yep, you got Adelaide. Finally, you got one. Lucky. Oh, that's nice. You got you got Frio. The team you just bagged was the only one you got. Oh, um, didn't I pick the one? Uh, no, you didn't. Oh. I got PA here on my little okay. list. I'll check the tape though. I'll go back and check the check the tape. Um, and I got a mammoth two because oh, I, wow. I, I went for Frio and Geelong. Well, this is why people listen to this show, so they can get some expert footy tipping to help them with their tipping. Absolutely. Those, ah. those, those people who gamble on uh, on football, yeah, listen to this religiously every week so as they can work out what not to uh, think. So one for, <laughs> one for Brian, one for Finey, two for me. So the current standing is, Brian, you're on 61, uh, Finey, you're on 70, and I'm on 72. So we, Lovely. We head into another, I didn't realise there's only five games on this week. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Because they pulled the Richmond-West Coast game from what would have been in this week's games into last week's games. 
Am I yeah. right? Yeah. I right there. I think. So before we get to yeah. those, just a couple little a bit the, the big freeze. Um, I, I want to mention that because I, I just think that's a, and I actually have to say this too. Uh, I thought Gil McLaughlin's performance on the big freeze was the best performance I've ever seen from him in his entire time as uh, head of the AFL. Well, you just like seeing him suffer. No, not all. He was. Uh, he did. He he did meatloaf. He dressed up as meatloaf, um, and and talked about uh, that whole experience. And then went uh, went down the slide. And then after the slide, had a chat to his brother. And in all honesty, it's the uh, the the least kind of um, AFL hierarchy ish I've ever seen him. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I thought he did. I thought he was terrific. So uh, give him a tick for that one. And all. Of, I mean, it's a. It's a. It'd be very hard to still have your head up your own clacker when you're standing next to. You know, you're about to go down the slide, standing next to a bloke like Neil Danaher, who's, you know, fighting this unbelievable beast of a disease that he's got, and standing there smiling and grinning and enjoying himself and just loving the fact that he's still alive. I mean, you couldn't still have your head up your bum, after, you know, in that situation. So, um, yeah. big kudos to Neil and to the and to Beck and the whole family. They've done. They're doing a great job. I think they've raised. Two and a half million dollars or something. So um, yeah, overall, they raised over fifty. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's enormous. Over the year, so yeah, great. It's enormous. Now, finally, I wanted to get your thoughts on what is going to have been uh, conscripted to the tribunal, uh, and it involved uh, the game that your team was involved in—a Crows player and a and a Saints player and a collision. And the Saints player, I think, has got a broken jaw and is out for is it well, pretty much the season. Are we at the Hunter point? Clark. Are we? Yeah, we are at the point now. Hunter Clark and David McKay are the two players involved. McKay or McKay, uh, depending on which one, whatever, you, whichever commentator you listen to. Um, yep, he's gone straight to the tribunal. It looks like he will get a lengthy sentence um, for what old school football people say looks like a legitimate bump and someone going for the ball. But are we now in a new, a new era where once you hit the head, end of story? You know what? I'm happy that it's gone to the tribunal, and I think he should get off. By the way that the rule is drafted at the moment, it says that a player shall not bump and will be responsible for the bump, even if it accidentally ends up taking a player's, you know, making contact of a head via ricochet or whatever. If that player has another reasonable option in going for the ball or the player. In other words, it takes out just bumping a player. Uh, remember Kosicki and Gene Syracuse, who's shepherding, so there's no more of that. Yep. There's no more taking a player out because he's within five metres of the ball. It really now comes down to whether Mackay had another option in going for the ball. There's no way that he did. He was going for the ball and every player at point of contact has right, has the right, in fact should, as we were taught when we when I played football and when growing up, to protect your body. Don't leave yourself open. So he was going for the ball. His his reaction or his instinct had him turning his body slightly at the point of impact and that's why sort of the fleshier part of and he went down as well but he was able to avoid head contact just by offering more his shoulder 
for the impact, and that's exactly how you're supposed to go to the ball. Yep. Shield yourself, protect your body. Don't leave yourself open when you're going for, your, for a mark. And when you're going for a ball on the ground, if there's likely to be impact, don't go in head first. Protect your body, shield your head by going in with the shoulder and your rump. And that's actually how you should play. And I don't think he had another option. And I'm happy that it goes to the tribunal, so that is the stuff. <coughs> Okay, now I will ask you this though. One one very poignant uh, phrase that you used in that: how you were taught to play, and how our generation uh, was all taught to play is to do exactly what you said then, and exactly what McKay did. But are we now going to start teaching the people coming through into the game now a different way to go about it because we don't want any contact with the head? Rowan and Brian, yes, the worst. Thing, the worst word that you can hear when somebody is governing and in a position of power, <coughs> may it be the lawmakers in football, may it be state governments talking about road speed limits, anything, workplace, the worst word that you can hear is safe or safer. And why? Because under the guise of making things safe or safer, we are creating environments that are not safe or safer. What they attempt to do is to take the way, take away the responsibility from individuals to apply common sense and take into their own take responsibility for their own safety. And unfortunately, this has got a very Tragic resonation, in, in not resignation, it resonates tragically in the world of cricket because as horrific an incident as the passing of Phil Hughes was, yep. my immediate observation and something that Ian Chappell said shortly afterwards stands as the truth out of this incident. And Kevin will back me up on this bowler who played a lot of cricket. There is no way that Phil Hughes sort of played at that ball the way he did and the way they play nowadays. And cricketers have no longer been taught how to play the short ball because they wear helmets and they think they can stand at everything. Yep. And I played, I was an opening batsman. I started playing without a helmet and I played it decent standard. I faced guys like Rodney Hogg and you know, I can't think of many faster. And the way you play a short ball is you keep your eye on it, you either step inside the line to hook and that way the only way you can ever get caught by the ball is if very unfortunately you top edge it back towards yourself. It can happen but it's a freak. Or you watch it and duck underneath it. Yep. So you don't stand there standing at a ball because you think you, the helmet makes you impervious. And, and, and it's like speed limits, you know. They say, well, and I understand around schools, but, you know, we're going to lower the speed limit. And where I live on Alexander Avenue is 40 k's an hour. Now, it shouldn't be 40 k's an hour all along here. And they thought that it, it makes it safer for people. Well, you know what? If you want to make it really safe, let's make the speed limit all around Australia 10 kilometres an hour. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there has to be a practicality to things. 
and and they say, you know, what they say they say that statistics say that at forty kilometres an hour, you know, less people, it's, it's easier to stop, less people will get hurt. And then they say, you know, if you don't have it at forty, then there's X number of fatalities and injuries. I want to know how many people got injured or killed between what it used to be, which was 50, and now 40. That's the important fact. So you try and make things safer, but in the end, people just become blithe to the dangers, and you're making it more dangerous. Yep. So by making the head sacrosanct and making it safer, if all that's doing in football is teaching a generation to go in head first, because the rules will protect me, you know what's going to happen? Somebody or people will become paralysed or even lose their life by playing the game in a reckless manner, wrongly believing that the game's rules protect me. They don't protect you. You protect yourself. Yeah, and that's what we saw that with the start of the women's football, where the the, the girl, the female players were going in exactly like that head first because they hadn't been taught and because they thought that the rule would protect them. And, and everyone was, blokes like you and me, Fanny and, and Brian, we were freaking when we were seeing because we are going, they'll get killed. Someone will, will have a paraplegic a week. And we had that many head injuries and shoulder injuries and neck injuries in the first couple of seasons of women's football before they taught them how to actually go at the ball properly. It was unbelievable. Correct. So, Correct. I just remember playing junior football, and even going for a mark, there's a way to, to protect yourselves. Yeah. And it used to be said, oh, gee, he left himself open there. And mm. it only needs to happen to you once, and you won't do it again. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> That is exactly right. All right, let's have a look at the uh, the games that are coming up this week and get your tips because God knows we need to find some winners. I only got the five games, so uh, let's start. Geelong and the Bulldogs are playing at GMHBA Stadium on Friday night, but uh, at this stage, no crowd. Uh, be interesting. Uh, Brian, who do you like? Um, well, the Cats were pretty impressive last week. But they were. I just kind of like the Dogs, and I prefer, think I'll enjoy the game more if I'm barraging for the Dogs. So I'll go for the Dogs. All right. I'm going for the Dogs, obviously. Finey, the voice of reason. I'm going for the Cats. That forward line looks pretty ominous. Yes, and if uh, the doggies do have an Achilles, it is their back line at the moment. Uh, on Saturday, Gold Coast Suns woo-hoo, will take on Port Adelaide up at Metricon Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Brian? Oh, look, Port have gone off the boil a bit. They were look like world beaters when they played Essendon, and I suppose that's why they did look like world beaters. But they've gone off a bit, but the Gold Coast, no, uh, no, nah, go for Port. Yeah, uh, the uh, Port Adelaide might be slightly off. They were pretty good against Geelong, I must admit. They probably should have won the game. Um, if they'd have, well, that's being unfair to Geelong. I thought Geelong were terrific. But Port Adelaide certainly in a position to win that game at the start of the last quarter. Uh, I'm tipping them. I, they, they couldn't be bad enough not to beat the Suns even at Metricon. Finey? Yeah, I'm going for Port. Imagine being a kid, buying a pack of footy cards and opening it up and it's full of gold course. Gold Coast, Port Adelaide and Fremantle players. 
Yeah, you would feel victimised, wouldn't you? <laughs> you'd, you'd have to be. Uh, North Melbourne play the Brisbane Lions. This is going to be played at Blundstone Arena on Saturday afternoon at uh, 4.35. I think it was a Marvel Stadium game originally, but it's down in Tassie. Uh, don't think that's going to help North Melbourne that much. I'm, I'm going for the Lions. Finey? Lions. Mr Mannix? Lions for me as well. Right. Uh, the uh, GWS Giants will take on Carlton at uh, Giant Stadium on Saturday night at uh, 7.30. So that's up in Sydney, Brian. Sydney referees. I'll, I'll go for the Giants. Yes, I'll uh, – I The old Infra Club game. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, who are you tipping here, Finey? I'll go for the Giants. Do you know there's been 110 players play for the Giants and 12 of them, that's more than 10% have gone to Carlton. Really? Yep. Wow. Wow. I didn't realise the number was that big. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, the Sunday game, the only Sunday game is Hawthorne and Essendon. Um uh, yeah, Sunday afternoon at three o'clock. Where's Utah Stadium? That's in Tassie too. Well, yeah, they changed it. They changed our home game to a Hawthorne home game, essentially. Right. So you be our game. Oh, you're not happy. You you're cracking the sads again? Well, I don't. Yeah, I am actually. Um, I don't think you know we should be playing at Haw- a ground that Hawthorne frequents. Too much of an advantage to them. This is supposed to be our home ground. So, therefore, we should be playing at, I don't know, anywhere but where Hawthorne's already got a, a nest. Would you rather it be at Marvel Stadium or the, or whatever with no crowd? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because every game there's going to be Barrigan for Hawthorne. The umpires will kick in. We'll get done by a point again. And it just won't be fair, and I'll be quite cross all next week. Right. So, are you, so you're tipping Hawthorne? No, no, bothered. <laughs> right, hey. You just said you're going to lose by a point, but anyway. Uh, well, let's see. if the umpires get their way, that's what will happen. All right, Finey? I mean, Yorks is daunted by the fact it's been played at the University of Tasmania Stadium. <laughs> yes. I mean, for Essendon, that's. <laughs> Uncharted territory game at university. You might prefer it a ground named after a comic book. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, well. I'll, I'll, I'll put Iron Man against some hippie from university with purple hair. Right. Yeah, oh, no worries. I'll, I'll have a bit of Captain America over some hippie up a tree. There yeah, the, the yeah. Captain America over Professor Aardvark. Yeah, no, fair enough. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I can see it. Professor Aardvark, <laughs> whose secret powers he turns into an Aardvark. <laughs> yes. yeah. You know, yeah. Brian, Brian, next time you go to the doctors or a dentist or your yeah. accountant, you know they all went to university. They're not all hippies up trees. <laughs> uh, some of them, some of them might be. You go to those some of those naturalists. Those they, they can be a bit of a hippie up a tree. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah. Who are you tipping, yeah. Finey? I'll go for the I'll go for the bombers. Actually, go on, you Finey. Well, Brian, I hate to tell you this. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going for the Bombers too. I, I, don't, think, oh. I don't think I don't think Hawthorne are that good. I, one game, one game doesn't make you uh, doesn't change your season around. They were awful before that, and I think they'll be awful again. Not sure if they'll be well, awful on Sunday, but they won't be good enough. Well, they beat us in round one, so there we go. All right. Let's get to chart attack. Uh, a bit, oh, hang on, one thing I do want to do before we get to chart attack. I just want your thoughts. Uh, 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 another valet, uh, Jeffrey Edelston yeah, passed away during the week. Yes, seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. Wow, he lived a colourful life. He certainly did. Now he had a bit. Of a, he had a bit of a music connection that I wasn't aware of until. Glenn A. Baker pointed it out on social media. He was actually involved in a company that produced and uh, and uh, did a few early uh, or late late sixties uh, Australian songs. Came out of the sort what, of Edelston what, Empire record label or something. Well, yeah. he had a production company, I think, that uh, that were responsible for a couple of the Town Criers songs. Um, the, oh. He had some producing credits on, I believe, and a, a band that was around in the late seventies. It wasn't really a band; it was a studio band called the uh, the Love Symphony. Well, the Pastoral Symphony, Love Machine was the name of the song. Um, but, yeah, the town cries. Barry Smith, who uh, still runs around and is playing around the, the traps these days, though, he was involved with them. So he had a bit of a musical connection there in one of his entrepreneurial things as well as all the other things well, that he did. Which of – well, speaking of the things that he did, which of his wives did you like the best? <laughs> so we're we picking from Leanne, Bryn and – uh, Gabby, uh, Gabby, Gabby. Okay. Didn't you? Didn't Bryn do Celebrity Apprentice or something with you? Didn't you have something to do with her? No, she was in the year before me. Oh, okay. I think. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of feel like I met her somewhere along the track, but I can't recall where. But um, yeah, I think Leanne was probably not bad. Yeah. Bryn was. Um, well, Bryn was loud and exciting, I suppose, and. Gabby just wandered around Burke Street in the nude. <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. There you go. You've written yeah. the, you've written the eulogy beautifully. Yeah, no man could dye their hair orange as well as Jeffrey Edison. Yeah, never the, the the colourful suits and all that stuff. He certainly he he hoed into that. Fine, any thoughts? You know what? You sort of have a bit of a, a laugh at him along the journey, but you've got to admit he had a crack. He did. Absolutely. <laughs> he owned a footy team. He had a helicopter. Yeah, that's right. You know, when all was said and done, and as I say, maybe, you know, a few sniggers behind his back, but uh, well, I've never owned a helicopter or a football team. And hey, and can I just I say, say, I never went to one of his medical clinics, but to walk into a, medi- you know, into a doctor's surgery and there's a grand piano and someone playing the grand piano when you're sitting there waiting would be a hell of a lot better than half the... Shotgun bloody National Geographic and Women's Weekly magazines you get in this, what you get when you walk into your doctors normally. But didn't he sort of do something with the, uh, what do they call it, when, the, you know, the government sort of pays your bill? What's that called? Yeah, Yeah, didn't he sort of have some sort of bulk bill sort of thing going on that made it very lucrative for him? I've no idea, to be honest, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. I think it was, was a bit of bulk billing abuse. Yeah. But I can't be, don't quote me on that. Yes. Just, I just got a yeah, no, no, I don't think it was abuse. I think he, I think there might have been some tax abuse. But uh, um, I think with Bob Billing, he sort of, he understood it pretty well. And, you know, he, he, built these, he built these clinics and 
people sort of went there and had cheaper medical care and they reaped the benefits. But I'll say this, you know, I remember I remember once, you know, because I used to cover the Brownlow medal, I did so for many, many years, and yeah. I saw him there with Bryn one year. All right. And I said, see, um, have a look at her breast. What did Dr. Edelstein say when you said that? He said, have you seen them? I thought they were still in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> He's a life member at Carlton, isn't he? Or was yeah. he? Yeah. Well, I don't know where the life member now is. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I think you're using the word life. A yeah, bit all right. The past life member. I think I don't yeah. know what you call. He's now well. He's now got the little asterisk when they when they do the list of life members. Anyway, when Bryn got a boob job, he, <sighs> she wasn't she wasn't sure whether she wanted it. So Jeffrey said, "Well, just get one done." So she had one done, and then six months later, they said, "Well, do you like the one?" And she said, "Yeah." So they got the other one done six months later. Are you making that up? Of course I'm making that up. <laughs> well, to be honest. <laughs> Who do you say? I'll get one boob job and I'll just see how that goes. And if well, it's all right, well, I'll get the other one. I don't back. think we're dealing with members of Mensa here, are we? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, now look, One so, done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the other go. All right. Um, and now our top 50 this week uh, for our uh, chart attack uh, comes from uh, a, a good friend of the show, Johnny Purchase. The Silver Fox has uh, sent this one to me. It's from the 10th of May, 1987. So just for something different, I sent it to you two blokes to have a look at and and pick a couple of songs out of it and have a, have a chat about them rather than do that blind thing where you just sort of pick one then you rack your brain trying to think of it. Because <laughs> when we finish the show, about half an hour later, I go, oh, yeah, I remember that song now. Daughter drives you. Yeah. Nuts. So what I, like I, reckon, I reckon that's a good idea. In fact, I reckon we could take a chart. Remember we used to do our, our – when, when I started, you know, obviously rock and roll in its early years. Years had the lists, yeah. Had, and you pick your three favourite, your three worst, or something. Yeah, yep. yep. I reckon we could do our three favourite and three worst top. Yeah, okay. Top on this top, we'll okay. do we'll, we'll do that next week. But what do you what do you got? Yeah, I know you picked a few out this week, funny. The one that I know you picked out was the Beastie Boys. Absolutely, that is a great song. Number forty five on that chart. You got to fight for your right to party. To party. Yes. Correct. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I must admit, I'm not a big Beastie Boys fan, but that is a good song. Good party song. Yeah, yeah. that's a good song. And still good, and still good, and sort of, yeah. you know, the Beastie Boys came out of where? Out of sort of suburban New York, and they were sort of people going, oh, are they white rappers or white, white sort of gangbangers? Yep. But you know what? They... They had their own culture and that was it and it was fun and that particular song I reckon is a beauty. Yeah, no, I agree. Really good song. Really good song. What have you selected, Brian, out of the uh, out of the list? What caught your eye out well, of the top is, ten? This is one I really like. It's number twenty one and oh. it's the models. And I really like this one because of all of the big uh, keyboards that Roger Mason does at the start. It's it's very much like a film soundtrack and it's 
got that depth of the, like, you know, Mirror Match Presents or something like that. Yeah. And um, a great little song by James Freud and uh, good melody, but I just really, really love the big epic um, movie type sounds on, on this one. I think it's great. That's Hold On by the Models at number 21. Yeah. And finally, your number, tw- number 22 is really special for you, isn't it? It's really weird, you know. It, it, you know I actually sort of came to love this when one of the first rock and rolls I did was Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, it was. And look, this is Big Love by Fleetwood Mac. Now, that's a Fleetwood Mac version that probably these charts is referring to. Doesn't necessarily do that much for me, but Boy, oh boy, Lindsay Buckingham, and it's easy to find on YouTube. You just put in Lindsay Buckingham, big love. He does a sort of stand-up solo version, and I know in the comments on YouTube it says that um, Rolling Stone rated him 100th as the all-time greatest guitarist, but as far as playing guitar and doing vocals on your own for one track is concerned... I love that version of Big Love, and it's an absolute ripper. Well worth listening to. Yep, I'm, I remember after we did that uh, that list of Fleetwood Macs, going and looking at that and being so impressed by it. He's in fact got a new um, a new uh, record out. I think now it's come out this week, which someone uh, said uh, in their review of it, it reminds uh, them of uh, the work that he was doing around the time of Tango in the Night, which was the album that Big Love was on. Yeah, there you go. So uh, he's. he's his new album's called They Kicked Me Out of the Mac. <laughs> and replaced me with Neil Finn. Yeah. Well, actually, they he's replaced him it. with three blokes, didn't they, really? Yeah. Well, he's got his Crowded House um, tribute band that Lindsay Buckingham's doing now. <laughs> to, to really yeah. Why wouldn't he, for goodness sake? Uh, go on, funny. Well, I'll you... tell you one thing about him. He, he lives in a palace. Oh, Buckingham. Have you heard of Buckingham Palace? Palace? Yes. Oh, okay, yes. I was trying – because my memory of the film clip for Big Love is that that was sort of shot in some exotic, like, Egyptian-type thing, wasn't it, from memory? They had all these the – Fleetwood- Yeah, the, the Fleetwood Mac clip for Big Love, I think, is has got yeah, – Yeah, you're right. I think the Bengals walked past rather awkwardly in that clip. <laughs> I think think you might be right, actually. I think you might yeah. be right. Uh, all right, what's your next uh, choice, uh, Mr. Fine? Well, my last choice was just a band that I really have always loved is New Order. Now, at number 32 is Bizarre Love Triangle. Oh, yeah. Maybe not my, my, my favourite piece by them is Blue Monday. Yeah, good which, song. Good song. Well, that sort of, you know, that New Order was born out of the tragedy that was Joy Division and the, the passing of their lead singer. That's right. Who took his own life. Um, but, and Blue Monday is a an ode to that. But, yeah, Bizarre Love Train. Well, so many people go, oh, you order Bizarre Love Train. But I guarantee if you listen to it, if you're, you know, of age, in other words, over 45 probably, I bet you've heard it. Yep. So... You know, that one is, I'm not going to sing it every time I think of you. I 
Get down on my knees and pray. That's oh, the radio flogged it. They were big. They were flogged. huge on on Eon at that stage, and on certainly at XY, we were playing it in '87. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it'll resonate anyhow. Yeah, absolutely. And just underneath it, you mentioned them. Number thirty-three is "Walk Like an Egyptian" by the Bengals. Yeah, not their best work. No, I agree with that. Um, Brian, what else have you selected? Uh, and we'll get to well, uh, Shantuzzi shortly. It is rocketing in. It's, uh, it's debut. It's number 49. Possibly <laughs> the worst song ever. It's, it's a follow-up to the very worst song ever, <laughs> which was We Built This City on Rock and Roll by Starship. And Starship, they just don't know when to quit. And they've come out with another flipping stinker. So nothing's going to stop us now, which was, I think, the soundtrack to the movie Mannequin, which was a shit film too. So there you go, Starship 49. Do yourself a favour and break that record. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, uh, we did a, an interview recently with Stephen Kilby for the Life of Brian podcast, which will be coming out in a couple of weeks' time. And you and Stephen Kilby were trying to find the absolute uh, song or band or artist who would best encapsulate everything you hated about music in terms of production, songwriting, uh, everything, and you both came yep. up with Starship. Yeah. Yeah. They are shit. Yeah. So they are just everything that's awful about music, they are. Yep. Not a big fan. Uh, you got one final one, finally, or is that it? I'll move into the top ten. Uh, Okay. The the ones I wanted to men- mention, uh, the, uh, the At This Moment by Billy Vera and the Beaters. Do you remember that? No. It was the song that Family Ties, it had been released about five years before this. So it was released in the, I think, middle 80s or early 80s. And Family Ties grabbed it and used it in one of their episodes and it was massive. It turned Billy Vera's, uh, who had a really good career as a songwriter and just a, a player um, and a sort of cover band person around uh, America, turned him massive. It was number one song in America. Uh, you'll, when you hear it, you'll you'll know it. Everyone does. I think Michael Bublé might have actually done a version of it of recent times, but that's, that's one that uh, television made that into a hit. Let's get to the top ten. Just on Michael Bublé, he mm. must be a multi-billionaire. Oh, I would assume. Yeah. Show, yeah. Because everywhere I go, especially, you know, in town or whatever, there's all these Bublé tea shops. Bublé tea shops? Haven't you seen those little Asian, I don't know what it is, it's called bubble tea? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of them around. I'm not sure he has any ownership on the finding, but no, I, I saw where you were going with that. Uh, Sailor V by Robbie Neville is at number 10. Was another, Don't remember that. Oh, uh, yeah, forget a very forgettable song. Um, I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you don't like Starship, but <laughs> Robbie Neville must be in the discussion about worst ever. Yeah. <laughs> I think it made it because the clip would have been flogged on Countdown because it had a lot of girls, scantily clad girls, running around with, the you know, um, not much on, and uh, and he had that kind of – the corkscrew hair and the and the shirt unbuttoned to the waist and all that stuff. He sort of was like the 1987 version of Roger Viduras. Um, number yeah. nine, she's the one by the cockroaches. Woohoo! Ah, yeah, the prelude to the wheels. Yeah, that's not a bad song. 
Yeah, no, they were quite good, that man. Nice, yeah. nice them guys. It's a good, yeah, little, good, good little pop song. Really good little pop song, She's the One. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Number eight was Aretha Franklin and George Michael, I Knew You Were Waiting For Me. Do you like that, Brian, or not? Oh, it's not really my cup of tea, but, you know, I can respect that it's a, probably a, a well-written song, a well-written pop song performed by two icons, but um, I certainly wouldn't buy a copy of it. Yeah, I must admit, I turned up when it comes on the radio. I do like the, I like the feel of it. Finally, you like that one? No. Okay. Now, I can quite categorically say that number seven is not one I remembered, uh, so I looked no. it up. And I, like you with the Fremantle Gold Coast uh, game, finally, I will never get the three minutes back I spent listening to We Connect by Stacey Q. Mm. And I'll be quite frank here, that is a heap of shit. It is, a, it is just an absolute heap of crap. I've, I cannot understand for the life of me who bought the bloody thing. Stacey Q, probably. Oh, just awful. Just awful. like one of those little electronic things, and she looked like a would-be Madonna and, well, actually, she looked like a blow-up doll in the video. Um, just just awful. Number uh. six, Brian. Now, tell me the story of which Queen of New Orleans by the Chanteuses. Well, what do, what do we need to know about it? Well, I want to know yeah. who the fourth girl is. Who's Angelica? Oh, yeah, Angie. She's, um, well, she was a member of the band. Um, but she got married oh, at about, they all reformed in 2006, and then after 2006, the others kept going. But um, Angie got married, and I think she had a baby, and so Angie's sort of living happily ever after. Okay. And, I never uh, knew there was well, a fourth, it, chan- a fourth uh, female member of Shantus. I always thought it was just the three. No, there was four. There was four of them. Angie's a lovely girl, just like the other three, and... Uh, they obviously did quite well with this one because they're sitting at number six. So well done, girls. Yep. The old uh, Redbone song from the, the, the middle 70s, which I think, did the Party Boys do a version of it as well? They did. They both did He's Gonna Step On You Again. Ah, that's the one that they both did. That's right. And the, yeah, the Chantuzies gave everyone a Redbone. That's right. <laughs> number five, Male Stripper, Man to Man, um... This again, this is with Stacey Q. This is just a – these two blokes, they look like they went to the Freddie Mercury um, lookalike school and failed and then got sent home and they went off and did this male stripper thing, which includes the – Is this a couple of words, I used to be a stripper in a female bar? Uh, I think that goes. Yeah, and the one famous line I heard in a while I was listening to it, uh, I get my – put tips in my G-string, that's how I make my living. Yeah, lovely song. Delightful. How the hell it got to number five is beyond me. Uh, Let's let's get to the good stuff. Number four, What's My Scene by the Hoodoo Gurus. What a good song. Yeah, good stuff. Well done. Great. Well, our our mate Mark Opitz produced that. Yeah, he did. And uh, well, well off the uh, off the, I think it was off Twitter. Someone uh, Stone Cold Steve Baker said, "What's my scene by the Hoodoo Gurus remains one of the best and simplest music videos of all time. Lots of good memories around that song. It is a good song, terrific. Yes, song. it is. Uh, number three. Oh, here we go. Brian's going to Brian's going to be sick. And this is. I must admit, I like this song. Number three. Can you hold it down for a minute? No. <laughs> Number three is Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. (laughs) (laughs) Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Yeah, well, people love it. I don't know why. 
Well, I, it's it's just a good little rock song. Well, yeah, I suppose it's all right. It, 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 no, it is. No, I, I mean, go down the bottom where I think you give love a bad names down at number 47. I, I'm not a big fan yeah, of that. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. But Living on a Prayer, I reckon Living on a Prayer is a good song. Finey, your vote on Living on a Prayer, a thumbs up or thumbs down? I'm not a great, no, I'm, in fact, I don't like Foggy Dozy, but I understand, I respect the sort of an iconic song of its time and it's not one of my favourites, but I, I, it's, you know. Yep. Okay. I'm not going to kill Bambi and I'm not going to say that I've never had a McDonald's cheeseburger, so it's okay. Yeah, right. Number uh, two, oh, God, didn't the AFL and everyone love uh, to use this in uh, all the sporting things? So number two is Europe with the final countdown. Not a song I was terribly thrilled with then or nor now. Brian? It's rather pompous, isn't it? It is. A bit. It's uh, very grandiose. Um they wrote it because they needed a good opening song for their live show. Oh, okay. And this was a bit of an afterthought, and they sort of said, yeah, we need something spectacular to start the show with. They wrote this not thinking it would be a single, and, of course, it was the single. And so it was really just written to be a good opening set song for their show. There you go. Uh, your, yeah. The final countdown, a favourite of yours, Funny? I would have thought not. Yeah, oh, God, that's horrible. <laughs> No, fair enough. Yeah. No, can't say so, so disagree. But, but I do love number one. Do you really? Oh, yeah. Do you oh, really? really? Wow. Oh, not now, but back in the day. You know you know who who this song reminds me of? Well, we'll say it's, it's Boom Boom, Let's Go Back to Our Room by Paul Leckerkiss or whatever his name was. Yeah. Yeah. Who's it remind this you of? This song reminds me of Surly Strong. Really? Really? Yes, many the night. Many was the night I was at Derby <laughs> in Caulfield, which I think Shirley owned or part owned back in the day. Yeah, and they had the circular dance floor with the steel handrail around. Yeah, I remember it. I reckon I went to Derby's twice. Yeah, and you're either leaning on the handrail or you were inside the bull ring. Yep, and. No better song was there to be inside the all these four than boom, 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 let's go back to my room uh, where we could do it all night <laughs> and I could make you feel right. Oh, oh yes. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad your memory about the song is to do with something, not the actual song, because the song was not one of the world's great ones, but it's a number one song. And I think it was number one in Australia on the ARIA chart for something like five or six weeks. It's a massive song. Mm. Massive, massive song. Uh, that, no. that brings our program to a close, and you get to choose the year next uh, week uh, for the uh, chart. Uh, Finally, what do you want? What year? Pens poised. I want 1979. Yeah. All right, we'll go. Here I graduated. From? Darwin <laughs> The School of Hard Knocks. No, St. Bernard's Christian Brothers College. Oh, here we go. At my HSC. Yeah, you, what, was your, what was your score? Oh, it's too high to tell you. <laughs> Up in the thousands. Sorry, you were too high to tell me. Sorry, what? Well, something like that. <laughs> no, well, it's I got a, I think I got a B for politics and a C for English literature and, you know, I did all right. Okay, fair enough. 
Yeah. No, yeah, I, no. I, I mock, I mock you not. I, I did not get my finishing. I didn't finish school. I, I pulled the pin at year 11, halfway through year 11, so I didn't get there. You obviously went on to, you didn't go on to higher education. Uh, well, funny, you, yeah. you got your HSC, didn't you? Yeah, it's funny. You, you, you said finishing. I remember when my sisters did it, it was year 11 or four and five was leaving, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. And form six was finishing. Yeah, I um, yeah, I got my numbers. I ended up at Melbourne University. Oh, well, uh, not you test the, the U, U, Melbourne University Oval. Could have been playing there, funny. Yeah, so I, I was. I studied commerce at Melbourne University, but I never quite got through the first year. Right. All right. Well, that's a, that's a story for another day and another episode of Rock and Roll. Thank you, boys. Uh, have a good week. Let's hope the lockdown's lifted sometime in the next day or two and we can get back to some, uh, a little bit more normality will creep back into our lives. But uh, until then, take care of yourselves and I'll talk to you next week. Rock on. Rock on. You've just experienced Rock and Roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, oh, God, that's horrible.